You don't know flag. You Don't Know Flat, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Episode 160, Raiders of the Lost Garage. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Today is May the 4th. It's Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. Always. <laughs> I think is how you say that. I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara, and on today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we'll be talking about... Uh, well, this is embarrassing. As you know, I typically record the show on my Commodore 64 in one of multiple ways. Uh, either through the cassette adapter or or directly on the 64, and, and I transfer it back over to the machine. But uh, I decided to do some uh, recording on the go this week, and so I recorded it on my SX-64, which, if you are not familiar with the SS-64, it was the executive Commodore 64. It was the portable Commodore 64, sometimes lovingly referred to as a luggable Commodore 64. So I recorded the new episode on my SX-64, but I seem to have lost the tape. I think I may have left it out in the garage, so we may have to go on a uh, search for the cassette tape here shortly. So I'm going to go ahead and kick the show off with my normal uh, loading time segment, and maybe that will give me some time here uh, in the uh, computer room to find the cassette tape. Loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. If you do not subscribe to Sprite Castle, you may not have heard the news that Sprite Castle and You Don't Know Flack are now being recorded twice a month and they are released on alternating Mondays. So last Monday, there was a new episode of Sprite Castle. Uh, we covered Track and Field, the Commodore 64 version of Track and Field on Sprite Castle. Uh, on today, this Monday, we are doing You Don't Know Flack, and next Monday will be another Sprite Castle. And then there will be another You Don't Know Flack, and then there will be... Well, there are a lot of Mondays. You see how this works, right? Uh, so the shows are on alternating Mondays. So uh, that's good news. If you like You Don't Know Flack, you will be getting two You Don't Know Flacks per month, which is uh, less than I started out doing, but many more <laughs> than I typically deliver. Uh, so... Now, if you want to listen to all of my shows, if you want to listen to Sprite Castle and You Don't Know Flack and Rusted Metal and Throwback Reviews and No Quarter and whatever else I end up recording, I have created a new RSS feed just for you. It is on iTunes or you can get it through an actual RSS feed if you uh, like to subscribe to your podcast that way. You can find it on iTunes if you search for Rob O'Hara. That's all one word, R-O-B-O-H-A-R-A dash podcasts. Or if you go to roboharacom forward slash podcasts, you'll find uh, those 
RSS and links to the RSS and the iTunes uh, feed. So those are basically this is a new feed that all of my shows funnel into. So if you want to subscribe to all of my shows with one feed, there you go. There is a new master feed uh, just for you. I have started a new project. If you listen to No Quarter, the podcast I record with Mike McGinnis, then you may have already heard that I have started work on a MAME cabinet. Now, I have lots of ways to play MAME right now. I have MAME on my desktop upstairs. I have MAME on my laptop downstairs. I have a dedicated PC in my living room hooked up with uh, wireless Xbox 360 controllers for playing MAME. So I have lots of ways to play MAME, but I've started ever since I started recording no quarter, I've started missing that experience of standing in front of an arcade cabinet. Now I do have a multi-cade 60 in one machine right now in my uh, kitchen area, which my wife loves. <laughs> he says sarcastically, but it's limited to what it can play. I mean, you can only play the games that are on there. It has 60 games, and half of them aren't even that good. So I would like to get a main cabinet set up. So I will uh, be working on that in the future, and I'll probably be posting updates on RobOHara.com if you would like to follow along. I'm, I probably have a category for MAME if I don't. I know I have one for Arcade, uh, so maybe I'll add one for... Uh, I'll probably just put the post there, but if you check uh you will definitely see the update, and I will keep you updated on both uh, this podcast and on No Quarter. I went to a garage sale the weekend. Uh, gosh, I guess it was uh, the Friday before last and I, I do a uh, Craigslist search. Uh, anytime the word Commodore pops up, uh, it, it notifies me. And so uh, I, there are, there's a Commodore automobile, which I did not know, and there is a Commodore brand of boat. And so normally when this alert fires off and sends me an email, I get very excited. It says Commodore on Craigslist, and then I run to check the ad, and it will be a boat or a car. Uh, but sometimes it does pay off, and the weekend, uh, the Friday before last, I got an alert for a garage sale, and it had a whole list of things, and I was scrolling through, and I thought at the bottom it's either going to be a, a boat for sale or a car for sale, but it actually said vintage computers, Macintosh, and Commodore. And so I got up. I was actually off on that Friday, and so I got up and I drove. This garage sale was about half an hour for me, but I was just excited to uh, – possibly pick up some Commodore things. You never know what you're going to find. It could just be a computer and a, and a disk drive, or it could be uh, games, or, you know, you never know. And so I got there, and right as I walked up, they were still setting up the garage sale. I, I, I'm i not an early bird guy. If it says be there at 8, I don't show up 8, uh, or I don't show up uh, before that. And I showed up. It was probably 8.15, 8.20, and as I walked up, well, the first thing I saw was an Atari 2600 in the box, and the box is in fantastic condition, and the guy wanted $15 for it. So I ended up picking that up, and uh, it was uh, an Atari 2600, I would say probably four joysticks, a set of paddles, and then 15 loose games, and pretty much all of them were really common games. A Fantastic Voyage was in there. I think that might be slightly less common. There may have been mash or something else like that in there, but that was the only things that were not just dirt common. I mean, there was combat and Pac-Man and 
E.T. and Pitfall, so lots of common, really common games. Uh, and then the guy pointed out uh, the vintage Macintosh, and it is a Macintosh SE, and this is the exact same computer that I used to do desktop publishing on in college. When I started college, I was uh, I went to a junior college for two years, right out of high school. I signed up for journalism. And when we began doing journalism, we would print out our stories and then use glue sticks and rollers to literally physically cut out the stories and paste them on a piece of paper, you know, paste up. And uh, by the end of the first semester and definitely by the, the second year, we had switched to uh, a computer lab and they had purchased these Macintosh computers and they were, I remember they were Mac SEs because they had hard drives in them with the little embedded nine inch screen. And so when I saw this thing, I thought yeah, I, w- I would like to have that. And so uh, I gave 15 bucks for it as well. And it came in a, a carrying case and it had the keyboard and the mouse and everything. And in fact, when I brought it home, I booted it up and, and went through some of the files and Tetris is installed. So I played some Tetris and I've had a good time really playing with it. So I have enjoyed those two. And then I asked the guy, uh, by the way, did you have some Commodore stuff? And he said, no, I thought it was Commodore, but it's this. And it was an Epson 486 computer. And I went, Ugh. I, I mean, I have a 486 out in my garage and I don't have it hooked up to anything right now. And I just don't need another IBM clone that I'm not going to use for anything. So I had to pass on that. So I was disappointed that there was no actual Commodore things at the garage sale, but I was really excited to find the Atari and the Macintosh and not even because I need those things. I probably have, I don't know, three or four Atari 2600s laying around. Um, but you know, what I liked about it is what it represented. The fact that if you keep an eye out and you keep looking, you can still find this stuff out in the wild. And, I had convinced myself that you couldn't find these things in the wild anymore. I have been searching. I go to thrift stores. I go to garage sales. And I just come up empty-handed time and time again. I miss greatly that time in the 90s where this stuff was everywhere, where Ataris were junk and Nintendos were junk. And people were just, you know, literally giving them away. I had people all the time at work, I have an Atari in my attic. You can have it, you know, and, and getting these boxes of, of things like that. I, I picked up uh, the Apple II computer that I use that's hooked up in my computer room. I got it at a thrift store for $1.98. So this stuff was everywhere. And then eBay ruined it all for all of us. So, I mean, the, the good thing about eBay is now you can find things. You know, you don't have to go search. If I want to find uh, some rare game or piece of hardware, I can watch on eBay and it'll probably turn up pretty quickly. But the bad news is that you don't find those things out in the wild anymore because everyone still thinks they're going to get rich on selling things on eBay. So more power to them. I did not buy these on eBay. I bought them at a garage sale and I greatly enjoyed that. The last thing I have on my notes here is um, a reference to... Today's blog post that I put, which has nothing to do with retro technology or anything like that, it was a post about my kids, and it talked about how proud I am of my kids, and I had both of my kids had experiences last week. My daughter 
won uh, or was nominated for and received the Girl Scout Bronze Award, which I didn't really understand the significance of that. Um, My wife was a Girl Scout. She actually received the Gold Award. Uh, She worked her way up. And so my daughter's troop, they did a uh, – basically what they did was volunteer for a local uh, pet shelter. They collected blankets. They actually sewed uh, their own blankets for some of the animals, they went and volunteered to walk the dogs, and they they did a whole project, and so they got this award. Now, and it made me really proud, you know, that she had volunteered her time, and they had put this together and done this. Uh, and at the same time, my son found out last Monday that they were having basketball tryouts at his school, and so he tried out, and literally he found out the day of the tryouts, and he hasn't played basketball in a few months. But he really wants to be on the school team. You know, his the team he played for the YMCA last year, and his team won the state championship. So he's good at basketball, but uh, you know, he went in with definitely with some ring rust, and he was up against uh, some kids that are actually on this year's basketball team, and he didn't make the team, and he was really kind of disappointed. And then the next day, he went to school and found out that some of the kids were actually making fun of him for trying out. And uh, he was really disappointed. And uh, I, I guess this is the part of being a parent, but I'm just as proud of him for trying to do something like that. You know, for I know that it was uncomfortable. I know he walked into a gym where he didn't know those kids and he still tried, you know, and um, and, and I'm just as proud of that, that he would, you know, do something like that to try out especially in a situation that's kind of uncomfortable as I am of my daughter who uh, earned that bronze award. And actually I think both of those traits, you know, not traits necessarily, but both of those just remind me of my own childhood. I mean, there were things that I did uh, where I won awards or whatever, and I'm sure that made my parents proud. And there were things I did that uh, maybe I didn't succeed at. But uh, looking back now, I think that probably made them proud too. So, uh, But I like – I mean I love my kids and I like the things like that that they do. So, um, And I, I think most of the people – I think the people that listen to this podcast are probably older. I, that's just my impression. I'm not 100% sure. But I, most of the people I, I think are probably in their uh, – you know, at least – late twenties and thirties and, and forties and beyond. But, but you know that if I could take something that my kids learned last week, especially my son and, and pass that on, I would just say, you know, uh, try, you know, if you see something, I, I see people post online, I'd like to start a podcast, but I don't know how try it. You know, I'd like to do this, but I don't know how try, you know, that's really, uh, the first step is just saying that you can do something and then, uh, you know, we're, we're all, we're all faking this together. (laughs) We're all just, um, doing the best we know how. And so that would be my advice to you is, is, um, if you see an opportunity, don't talk about it, just, just do it. So, well, shoot, while I was talking here, I looked all around. I cannot find, uh, this cassette tape at all. So I tell you what I'm going to do. I have, uh, a zoom H2 portable microphone. If you listen to uh, one of the most popular episodes of You Don't Know Flack episode, I think it's 133, the Ninja episode. If you listen to that, you've heard me use that microphone before. Uh, What we're going to do, I'm going to take this microphone. We're going to head down to my garage. Now, this show began 
for an outlet for me to talk about old computers, old video games, old technology. And let me tell you, my garage is filled with that stuff. So let's go down to the garage, see if we can't find that tape of this week's episode. And while we're there, I'll give you a little tour of some of the retro technology that's in my garage right now. Let's go. Okay, assuming all this works, you should... Well, right now, you can probably hear the, the washer going. And now... Oh, I'll just shut the door. And we are now in my garage, and I'm now recording uh, mobile on the uh, H2 Zoom, so you may it may sound slightly different than uh, my normal recording. Uh, how to describe... Let me describe the area I'm in. I uh, have a three-car garage... There's a two-car garage on this side, and then I have some shelves that divide this side from the other side, which is the uh, one-car garage, if you're up on your math. <laughs> um, so I just thought it'd be fun to come down today, go through the garage. Um, you Don't Know Flack is all about old technology, and my garage is certainly uh, a shrine of old technology. And so uh, <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Uh, let's see, right underneath the light switch. I'm going to set this microphone down for just a moment. <clears throat> right next to the light switch is a giant MIDI keyboard. Well, uh, I wouldn't say it's a MIDI keyboard. It's a keyboard. It is a Yamaha PSR36 keyboard. Uh, I bought this at a garage sale because I wanted a keyboard, a, uh, keyboard with a mini port Ugh. that I can hook up to the computer. <clears throat> I probably bought it 20 years ago and I've never hooked this up to a computer. So, but uh, here I have. Here it is. Uh, next to it is, uh, right next to it is um, a common theme in my life, which is a giant plastic tub, uh, like a 20-gallon Rubbermaid tub, probably 25-gallon full of stuff. And so... I uh, am I'm a lazy person, generally speaking. I don't like to take one thing upstairs or one thing downstairs and so on and so forth. So uh, one of the things I use these tubs for is I have a tub that stays upstairs. And as I uh, start to put things in it uh, that need to go downstairs, I will fill the tub up. And when it's full, I will bring it downstairs. Uh, and so that appears to be what this tub is, but it doesn't look like I ever... Uh, emptied out the tub so and the reason i mention the tub is because right on top of the tub is a super nintendo <clears throat> so i'm looking here there's a super nintendo in here uh there's an atari 2600 in the tub it's a, a lot of people who like or get into retro gaming say you know what i'd really like to get is an atari 2600 so it's funny that i have them just lying in tubs um but i bought a lot of these when you can get them for a couple of bucks here and there at thrift stores. I think this one literally has a price tag on it. It says $1.98. I've also brought a uh, glass of Kool-Aid with me <laughs> out to the garage today. Because it's Oklahoma. And it's uh, I think it's supposed to be 80 degrees today. There are some books in this tub. I don't know why there are books in here. What is this? Here's a owner's manual for a... C2N cassette unit. That is the Commodore data set. Uh, user's guide for a Commodore 1541 disk drive. 
Here is a Amiga 500 user's manual, English, and an Amiga basic book. So I, right now all my computer programming books are down in the garage. I don't know why they're here. I would never read them here. So I brought these down to be with the other ones, but eventually I need to put them all together uh, and move them upstairs to the office. In the back of my mind, I pretend like someday I would like to learn how to program in something other than basic on old computers, whether that's, uh, I guess you would say, assembly or machine language or something like that. So I've picked up books that would instruct me to do that over the years, but I've never delved into that. I would like to. It's on my bucket list. People, <laughs> different people have different bucket lists. Uh, and right here is a book that says Machine Language for Beginners. Uh, it seems to cover multiple... It's from Compute Books. It says Personal Computer Machine Language for the Atari, Vic, Apple, Commodore 64, and Pet CBM computers. Uh, and then right next to that is another book that says How to Program Your Commodore 64 in 6502-10 Machine Language. So it's not like I haven't bought the books. I own the books. <clears throat> but, as you can hear, they're all in tubs, which is where those are going. Uh, I am using my old uh, clothes washer <laughs> as a staging uh, shelf right now for this show. Uh, the washer died, and someone's coming to pick it up. So, here it sits right now. But, right now, it's and it's flat on top, which makes it convenient to set things on. We're not going to talk about washers, though, because next to the washer is a row of arcade games. Um, we have four machines here. I have an Atari 720, which is my favorite arcade game of all time. Uh, Rampart. And then I have a Multi-Williams. And then down at the end is Commando. And then behind these, I have a MAME cabinet project. So let me talk about these for just a minute. These are the leftover machines from the uh, last house from my move you know at the at my old house i had an arcade in the backyard set up with 30 arcade machines uh and um i wonder if you can hear this you know what if you i'm gonna open the garage door for just a moment if you remember in the last episode of you don't know flack i talked about the testing of the tornado sirens the noon siren and there happens to be noon right now that's the garage door going up but let's move out here to the driveway just a moment see if you can hear this can you hear that this is a fun coincidence this is what you get when you record live uh live field recording you get to capture uh <laughs> tornado sirens the noon siren that siren is probably a mile from me i don't know if you can hear that but uh oh here it comes it turns can you hear that Well, there you go. <laughs> My co-host, Mr. Tornado Siren. Let's go ahead and shut the garage door back down. Ah, oh, good timing. I'm starting the show right at noon. <clears throat> it goes off in a minute or two. Anyway, let's talk about these arcade games here. Uh, first is 720. Like I said, it's my favorite uh, arcade game of all time. <clears throat> I started collecting arcade games in 1994. And after I bought my first one, I made a list on a piece of paper of uh, the top 10 or maybe the top 20 arcade games that I wanted to own at some point in my life. And the number one game was 720. It took me 15 years uh, 
to find one that was in good condition that worked. Uh, and this is that cabinet. And I was able to find it locally. I had actually bid on one that was in Denver. I was going to have to drive uh, 12 hours each way to go pick up. And fortunately, I got outbid. Um, but uh, so this is uh, this is that machine. When I was selling everything else, I could not let it go. Uh, next to it is Rampart. My Rampart is in a Gauntlet 2 cabinet, so it looks shaped like Gauntlet 2. Those are both Atari games. Boy, Tornado Siren's still going off. Uh, so I, I suppose uh, someone probably just swapped out one Atari board for another, pulled a Gauntlet out for some reason, and turned it into a Rampart. I uh, am a big fan of Rampart. I have a lot of good memories of playing uh, Rampart with my buddies, so... Uh, and I got this game really cheap. I got this in a, a big lot of games. I think I bought five games for $500. Uh, next to that is a Williams Multicade. It's a 19 and one I think. It has a bunch of different games. It has Joust and Defender. And uh, it's a really... And the cabinet itself is an old Williams cabinet that somebody stenciled and updated. So it looks really cool. Somebody put a lot of work into it. I just don't play it anymore. Uh, and then finally down there is a Commando. Uh, that I bought also locally that had been completely uh, shopped as a new monitor. It has a good marquee, good side art, control panel, bezel, all that stuff. Uh, it's in really good condition, but um, just no room. No room at the end anymore. So um, these games are all going to be uh, taken to the Arcadia Retrocade out in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas. And uh, those are really nice guys, and so I know that these games are going to have really... Uh, good home out there. So I'm just waiting for a good uh, good weather day to load these up on the trailer and take them out there. And then uh, behind these is a MAME cabinet project that I inherited from someone. Uh, the side art on it says Interstellar Laser Fantasy. So uh, it looks like it was an old Laserdisc cabinet. Uh, someone... I think turn this into a main cabinet. I mean, they finished the control panel. There's an iPack in there. There's a lot of the wiring was done. The computer was crap. It was an old computer, uh, an old e-machine, I think, running uh, Windows 98. Uh, so I inherited it, and it was all disassembled. So my goal is eventually to put this back together. I just don't have any room out here right now. So once these other cabinets are gone, uh, that'll give me some room to work on that. Uh, so let's get over to these shelves. These shelves uh, are big metal shelves that I think I bought from uh, Sam's Club. <clears throat> they are... How big are these shelves? You know what? If only I were in my garage. There's a tape measure right here. Let's set down the mic. These shelves are exactly four foot wide by two foot deep so i have three of them end to end so i have a 12 foot long wall of shelves dividing the two sections of the garage and these shelves are deep enough that you can use them on either side uh two foot deep is pretty deep so i guess we'll just start at the left hand side of these shelves over here because the first thing stacked up on top of these shelves up here is an atari game center um, do you remember these? This is a big piece of plastic that you would put your Atari in to make it look more like, um, 
I suppose more like a stereo piece of stereo equipment. And, and you could put your games inside here. My mom bought this for me at a garage sale. She said, I might want to put my Atari in it. She probably bought this a couple of years ago. Um, and I really had no interest in the game center itself, but it was filled with games. Now I will tell you that anytime I, I'm, uh, I'm willing to go up about $5. I'll spend five bucks on an Atari game. So what that means is I have a nearly complete collection of all the really cheap games. I probably have 200 Atari cartridges and it's all the rarity one through three and it goes up to 10. Uh, so I have all the super common stuff. I just won't pay more than more than five or 10 bucks for an Atari game, especially because uh, of all the, the emulation methods that we have today. I have a Harmony cart, which you can plug into an Atari and uh, we'll take an SD card full of emulator ROMs. So I just can't justify buying the, the more expensive games. So this was full of mostly common games and I gave a lot of them away, sold some for a dollar. Uh, there were a couple of rarities in there. Um, but what was better is down in the bottom were all these manuals and I have them stacked here. I need to put these in the tub to take upstairs to put with my other <coughs> Atari manuals. I'm pulling these out here. Here's a manual for bowling, missile command. Let's see what else we have here. Asteroids, human cannonball, ET. There's a manual for ET. I don't have to go dig out in the desert for my ET stuff. I just, uh, garage sales comes to me. Here's some magic. We've got Atlantis, uh, Word Zapper. I'm not going to read all these. Golf, basic programming. That's a good one. Fantastic Voyage. That's, uh, less common, I would suppose. Uh, and here's an Atari Force comic. I don't know if you remember these. Atari used to include little comic books with some of their games. Uh, the back, it has an ad for Sword Quest coming soon from Atari and DC Comics. I don't know if there's any way to tell what actual game. This is Atari Force 3. Anyway, um, to give you an idea of the miscellaneous, uh, I guess the randomness uh, that fills these shelves... Next to the Atari console are two animal puppets. Animal from the Muppets, not random animals. Uh, one of these is 30 years old. My sister got it for Christmas when we were about when I was about 10. And then the other one I think I found at a garage sale, and they are they're different. The one I got at a garage sale slightly is a newer style. But uh, so if anybody, if there's ever a bar bet and someone says, I bet you don't have uh, a puppet of animal from the Muppets. I can I can uh, try to get him to go double or nothing <laughs> because I have two of them uh, sitting right there. What is uh, the, oh now these are monitors. Um, I think any retro computer person has uh, at least I always have had a stash of older monitors. Now there is a type of monitor called uh com what is it oh an amdeck an amdeck monitor so we have an amdeck monitor i still have it uh with our franklin ace 1000 our apple II compatible computer that we got in 1982 an amdeck monitor amdeck was the brand uh on the back it has a normal rca type input for video and then it has an eighth inch like uh, a headphone jack in for audio. Now these monitors, I've always called them Amdeck monitors because that's the one we had, but apparently they were made by a few different 
uh, manufacturers. What I like about them is they have a built-in handle towards the back. So if you go to video game shows like I do or move things around a lot like I do, uh, you can just grab the handle and carry these monitors around. So I have four of them. (laughs) I've bought every one that I've ever run across. Uh, I bought some. I got one with a lot. One's the original one I had. Uh, I got one at a thrift store. I don't even remember where they are. And they are different brands, like this one next to it that I was looking to says Comrex on the back. But everything else uh, is identical. I mean, where it says, like, uh, it says manufactured. One says Amdeck. I mean, it's in the same font. The other one says uh, Comrex. Uh, The Amdeck one, let's see. Serial number 128190. The other one is... Serial number 5543. Wow, that's a low number. That makes this one rare. It is for sale if you have, if you're into collecting rare, uh, old composite monitors. But the rarity is going to drive the price up. Uh, so I have four of these on the shelves back here. I used to use them upstairs. I had my Commodore 64, my Apple II, my Amiga, and something else all hooked up. Uh, oh, I had um, my Atari and stuff because I had it hooked through a VCR. So I had a coax in and then RCA out of the VCR into uh, one of these monitors. So I used to use these, but instead I bought a, um, I think a 40-inch flat screen TV. And now everything goes into that. And so the monitors are out here awaiting their next assignment is the way I like to think of it. They're not trash. They're not collecting dust. They are just... They've been pulled out of duty temporarily and will eventually go back in when I have another project. So uh, let's see the next shelf here. I don't see now. Don't get me wrong. All these shelves are full of things. I'm just only discussing the uh, technology related things or uh, computer or whatever video game related things. Uh, This one has a battery charger. (laughs) You know what there is? I do have over here is this giant box of uh, arcade buttons that I got one time. Uh, there was a, uh, I was looking for some arcade buttons and I posted, I was looking for some and a, a guy on digital press said, I have some spares I'll send you. And he sent me a box that's probably, uh, 12 inches by 18 inches and probably 12 inches tall, full of arcade buttons. So over the years, I've really needed to use about four of them and I have 400. Um, but they have come in handy and I do, uh, Occasionally, when the kids, uh, Mason one time had an electronics project and he wanted a, a toggle switch for it, I was like, hang on. And I came out and I got an arcade button because they connect to a, a micro switch uh, that toggles on and off. And he used that and, and it worked great. I'm sure he was the only kid in class that brought in his little uh, project where you hook a battery up to a 9-volt battery or double A's or something that was powered by uh, an arcade button. Down here, let's see. That's uh, my wife's camping stuff. Um, But below that, there is a milk crate down here full of boxed Atari 2600 games. Now, I took... This is tough. This is going to be tough to explain. I cannot pass up Atari 2600 games, boxed ones, that I find in the wild. To me, that's a, a survivor. You know, these are games... Some of these are games that were sold in the... Late 70s, definitely uh, no later, you know, than early 80s. And so if you think, okay, 1980, so 1990, 2000, 2010, 2015, these are 35-year-old boxed games. 
And so occasionally I will go to a local video game store and I will see these and I buy them. So I brought them all home. I had them on my shelf uh, in my computer room. And last year, right before OVGE, the Oklahoma Video Game Expo, I thought, why do I do this? Why do I buy these? I'm going to sell them. And so I took them all to the show and I said $5 each. $5 for boxed Atari games. Uh, And I sold probably 10 or 15 of them. I'm sure I sold the ones that were more valuable. I brought the rest home and here they sit. So I don't want to get rid of them. I've thought about putting them back on the shelf and I'm tempted to keep buying them. So that's definitely um, a conflict in my head and probably with a lot of collectors. I collect these because I think that they're old and they're rare and they're neat, but I don't do anything with them once I have them. I mean, literally they're sitting in a, a milk crate in my garage, you know? And so I'm too lazy to put them on eBay and if I put, if I wanted $5 each for them and put them on uh, Craigslist for $100, I mean, would somebody really come pay $100? I wouldn't, you know. I'd come over and I'd offer them 20 and I don't want to deal with somebody that would come over and offer me $20. So, there they sit. Uh, next shelf here. There's more monitors. Now, here's a Commodore brand monitor. A girl that I went to high school with... Uh, that we are now, uh, we were not friends in high school. Uh, we were acquaintances, I would say, uh, classmates. <laughs> um, but uh, now we're friends on Facebook, and she knows that I am into Commodore computers. And so she had uh, her grandfather had a Commodore computer. She said she used to go over to his house and play games on. And uh, they had an estate sale, he passed away. And she asked me if I wanted the monitor. So I went over and it is a Commodore 1702 monitor. Now, if you've been listening to the show, you know that on the next shelf over, literally, I have four monitors sitting there. And there's another monitor sitting next to the 1702, uh, which is a, let me see if I can see what brand this is. I don't know. It's hard to tell from the back of this one. But this is one uh, I recently bought an Atari or a, a Commodore lot through Craigslist and this monitor came with it, but it works in uh, 80 column mode, which is why uh, for a 128, which is why I still have it. It's not hooked up, but I still have it. It does have a sticker on the back here that says manufactured June 1986. So uh, that is, if you're keeping track on the show, and this is, this could be the secret, uh, <coughs> uh, secret game you play as you follow along so far, we're up to six monitors. But the shelf below the monitors is even more fun because there are... One, two, three, four, five, six PCs. Um, what the hell am I doing with six PCs? Well, let's see. Two of these are Dells. Uh, they are both, one's a, are they both? Yeah, they're both Dell Dimension. This is a Dell Dimension. They're both Dell Dimension uh, 3000s that I got off of Craigslist. We use Dells at work similar to these, and uh, I was really familiar with them. So when I was looking to work on uh, main projects and stuff, I would go on Craigslist and just type Dell Dimension, and I think I paid 50 or 100 bucks for these. Back, you know, back in the day, they were good machines. Um, I have, an, let's see, two towers here, maybe three. Uh, there's a Compaq Presario. Does this have specs on it? Let's see here. It does have a sticker that says, comes with... CDRW slash DVD ROM drive, 48X, 16X max speed. 
Um, this is a compact presario. <laughs> Uh, SR1500NX with an AMD chip inside. Uh, it does have a sticker for 24-7 support, so if you want to call 1-800-OK-COMPAC, uh, maybe I can ask them why Windows 7 won't run on this. Uh, oh, here we go. 3000-plus AMD Simpron processor uh, with 256 megabytes of PC 2700 memory and an 80 gigabyte 7200 RPM hard drive. So, good times on that. This has an 80, 80 gig hard drive. So I could use this to store one-tenth of my MP3 collection <clears throat> if I took the operating system off. I don't know what this is. This is some generic piece of crap. <laughs> this is a I have two e-machines that are completely different one uh, I actually bought for Susan um, and this came with Vista it has uh, a Vista sticker this is an e-machine T5082 and this has 512 megs so think about how enjoyable running Windows Vista with half a gig of RAM would be and that's how enjoyable this computer was it does have a Pentium 4 processor also a Sempron, 3 gigahertz, but it does not say anything about uh, dual core. So I bet that machine was fun. That's why it's out here. Uh, and this other e-machine out here, this is a really fun old piece of crap. Um, my uh, One of my good friends, Justin, and I talk about a lot. His parents upgraded their old computer. <clears throat> and this was not that long ago, per se, maybe five years ago. And uh, I went over to their house. I helped them hook it up, hook up their new printer and all this stuff. And then uh, they said, if I want the old computer, I could have it. Now, I am not one, as you may gather from this episode, to turn down free technology. Because in my head, I always think, man, I bet there's something I could do with that. And so that's what I thought. And I took this uh, e-machine home. And here are the specs on the front of this e-machine. <clears throat> First of all, uh, there's a sticker right on the front that says Intel Inside Celeron. It says designed for Windows ME, <laughs> and there's another sticker that says uh, America Online version 5 included. Those are all good signs, but here's the real good specs. Uh, E-Machine E-Tower 633IS, that is a 633 megahertz machine with 32 megs of RAM, a 10 gig hard drive, and then it also says 48X max CD-ROM and a 56K modem. What else is on here? Oh, it comes with Microsoft Windows ME, Microsoft Works 2000, Money 2000, and Encarta Deluxe. Remember when all computers came with some sort of, I mean, once uh, the CD-ROM evolution hit, you had to have your own, whether it was Encarta, uh, what was the one, Grolier's, uh, that you had to have your own uh, CD-ROM encyclopedia. Uh, we have, it says CompuServe, Netscape Communicator, Internet Explorer, eWare. I don't know what that is. I'm guessing it's an e-machine something. And comes with three months AOL included. And then there's a little thing here on the side that's very exciting that says <coughs> USB port included. And so I believe on the back of this is a single USB port. <laughs> so uh, in the uh, at the old house when I had the arcade set up, this machine, I turned this into a video jukebox. So I downloaded a couple hundred 80s music videos. 
uh, from uh, the news groups from Usenet, and I think I put them on the on an external USB hard drive because I don't they wouldn't fit on that. Maybe I upgraded the hard drive on this. I don't remember, but. Uh, anyway, I wrote a real simple media player. In fact, what it did was, uh, I put it in the startup <clears throat> menu and what it did was when it booted up, it would randomly, uh, pick those, uh, video files and play them in a random order. That's all the program did. And so I stripped as much of the OS that I could out. I put that uh, program in the startup and that's what it did. So when I turned the machine on, it would boot up. It was hooked up to a big giant monitor uh, and it would play music videos. So it was like a 24 seven, uh, MTV basically that I built for the arcade. Uh, so that, that's what that machine did. I can't imagine what I would do with this now. It's not, not old enough for an old PC. I know I have at least one more on the other side over there, maybe two. Uh, it's not old enough like for a DOS machine type thing, but it's certainly not fast enough for, uh, anything. I mean, Again, here's the conflict I deal with in my head. I, the first thing I think, I'm trying to find solutions. Like, well, I could put Linux on that. Well, I have a machine that runs Linux. It's called a Raspberry Pi, and it costs $35. So why do I own this? You know what? <clears throat> when this episode's over, I'm going to throw that machine away. So there you go. I probably won't, <laughs> but I would like to. Next shelf, let's move on. Uh, there's some music recording equipment here from the old Flack days. Um, I don't know if you get into this situation. I paid too much money for this stuff to throw it away, but it's not worth anything now. Uh, this is a Mark of the Unicorn 24 uh, input device. So basically, Windows sees this as 24 independent sound cards. So you can plug 24 tracks from a mixer or something into it and treat them, uh, record them independently. I have not had this connected to a computer in 15 years. I would say, uh, no, not 15, 10 years. Uh, yeah, let's say 10 years. Uh, so there it sits. Um, don't know. I should do something with that, uh, but I don't know what to do. Uh, then there's a couple of box things here. There's a, uh, a boxed Commodore 1541 disk drive and a boxed Commodore 64 computer. Neither one of these are, uh, my originals. They are things that I ran into over the years and they are, uh, they're here because they're here. They're here because they're cool. I like them. Um, I don't know what to do with them. I don't have them displayed anywhere, but uh, I do enjoy owning them. Uh, here is a box of 8-inch floppy disks. I have told this story previously on the podcast, but I will tell you again that uh, my wife found these at a garage sale and bought them at 10 floppies for a dollar. They're 8-inch floppies. This was at a time when uh, the norm was three three and a half inch floppies for sure. This was uh, in the late '90s. She found this, <clears throat> and so I took one of the discs and I wrote "emergency boot disc" and I taped it to the side of my server at work, which I thought was a very funny joke. And then one time I went out of town, the server crashed, and I got a call from one of my coworkers, and they said we really need help. The servers crashed. And they said, we're trying to figure out what to do with the emergency boot disk that's on the side of the server. So, uh, And it was actually my boss had the disk. So my boss was uh, walking around trying to figure out what to do with that 8-inch floppy disk. So that, that's a great visual. And so I think about that story every time uh, that I see these disks. Absolutely no uh, value or as far as usability for me. 
but uh, <laughs> I keep them because of that story, basically. Uh, there's some speakers here. These are uh, surround sound speakers that were really expensive that I had at the old house, but in my new house, uh, it, it's a two-story house, and I don't know a way to run the wires like through the ceiling or through the walls like I did at the old house because I had access to the attic, and I don't want to run the, the wires just around the, the baseboard. So, uh, so I have some really expensive speakers that are sitting out here on a garage shelf. Uh, what else is down here? There's some arcade, uh, PCBs, boards. There's a couple, here's two Commodore computers just sitting here. Uh, there's the guts of my old main cabinet. Uh, I got rid of the cabinet, but I pulled everything out. So there's a motherboard and a hard drive. And, and again, this is one of those situations where if I were going to build a main cabinet today, I wouldn't use that stuff. That machine was a one gigahertz motherboard, I think. So why would I try to build MAME on that <clears throat> um, when I could use one of these other faster computers that are sitting right here on an above shelf? So, uh, yeah, that, that might be something that goes out in the trash. Let's go over to the third thing of shelves. First of all, up here we have, uh, I don't know what this stuff is. What is that? Oh, well, first of all, there's a bunch of Star box Star Wars stuff up here uh, that's too big to fit in the shelves up in the Star Wars room, so... Uh, that's where they're at. And then there's some giant, uh, remember when everybody had giant speakers in their living room? I have a set of those speakers, uh, that were in the arcade before and I bought them new and it comes back to that same thing. Uh, I don't have a use for them now, but I paid too much to get rid of them. So there they sit. Uh, I actually have somebody that might want these <laughs> as I go through my own therapy on the podcast. That's good times. Uh, now these shelves are kind of fun. There's some, this is some miscellaneous stuff going on on these shelves. Uh, first of all, there are disc boxes of Commodore games. Now some of these, I sorted through these. Um, so a lot of them are just like generic, uh, crap, like public, this one says public domain stuff. So those are discs I would use as floppies, but this is an entire box full of original Commodore games. And I have a real soft spot for those because, uh, if you've read Commodore or if you've listened to older uh, You Don't Know Flack episodes, you know that my uh, experience was mostly with downloaded software. So I, so these seem very valuable to me because they're originals. Now, I have all of these games upstairs, and I could play them on a real 64, or I could play them through an emulator, or you know I have different methods of doing it. So the odds of me taking one of these discs, taking it up there and playing it, is, is very low. And in fact, I took a large box of uh, old computer discs, originals, to OVGE last year and put $1 per disc, and I didn't sell a single one. Uh, and people looked at them, and a lot of people thought it was a museum piece. They were like, I remember when games came on these things. <laughs> they would flip through. And so they're like me. They, they enjoy the labels. Uh, I'm just looking through here. Here's uh, Activision's uh, Space Shuttle. Uh, Dragon Riders of Pern from Epics. Here is uh, Dream Warrior from Key Punch Software. Uh, what else is up here? Uh, John Elway's Quarterback. Uh, Platoon. Win, Loser, Draw. Uh, adventure Trilogy. I think this is a bunch of text adventures. Uh, ooh, Deceptor. That was a really good game. Here's Beachhead and Beachhead 2. Two-on-one basketball. There's one-on-one -on -one basketball. I wonder if those are together on purpose. Here's Echelon. 
uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So anyway, you know, there's just uh, a lot of good stuff in here. And I get excited. I like the little colors on them. I like looking at them. I like touching them. Here's Chess Master and Star Rank Boxing and the never-ending story. Um, so I really enjoy oh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So I, I enjoy looking, you know, touching them and flipping through them, but actually playing them I probably wouldn't because I have so many other ways to actually play these games that I don't need them on this media. Here's a Nintendo upright joystick. Here's a Commodore 16. Uh, Commodore 16 is um, <clears throat> was compatible or more compatible with the Commodore Plus 4 uh, than it was with the Commodore 64. In fact, it doesn't run Commodore 64 software. But it came in a black case with gray keys. And when I was a kid, I thought that was really cool looking. I really enjoyed the look of it. And so uh, when I ran across one, I, I have the box too. And I ran across one and I bought it. And I've never hooked it up or turned on. I have no interest in, in running it. Um, but I always wanted to own one, so now I own one. Uh, here is a cardboard box that says flack on the side. What is... Oh, this is from my buddy Delph. Um, so I... <laughs> this is a funny story. Um, I mentioned one time that uh, I wanted an Atari 7800. And... Uh, my buddy uh, Steve W. hooked me up. He had found one at a thrift store, and he brought it to me uh, and gave me an Atari 7800 uh, and a power supply, which is a very unique power supply to go with it. But I didn't have any games. or uh, I think I had a joystick. I can't remember, but uh, I think I only had one joystick. So anyway, uh, I was cleaning the garage one day, and I found this power supply, and I could not for the life of me figure out what it went with, and so I finally threw it away. Uh, I threw it away, and, and this is the story of my life. Every time I throw something away, it comes back to haunt me. And so that's why my garage is full of things I'm afraid to throw away. So I threw away this power supply. And then I went to, I found the Atari 7800. I went to hook it up and I could not find the power supply that goes, goes with it. And I put two and two together. And so then I was screwed. So I had mentioned this. Uh, and uh, so Delph came up with a Atari 7800 power supply for me. Another joystick, uh, and there are a couple of games in here. Miss Pac-Man and Pole Position. Now, here's what I feel bad about, is that, uh, first of all, a, a good friend, Steve W., hooked me up with that original 7800, and I never hooked it, I never connected it, I never plugged it in. And so, and I had it so long that I lost a valuable piece of it, the power supply. Then, Delph went out of his way to fix that for me. He got me a power supply. He got me these other things and I still haven't hooked it up. Uh, and that is a, a problem in my life is that I have so many things that uh, I have great intentions, but a lot of times I just don't get around to doing stuff. So I think maybe based on this episode, I may come out here more often and make some uh, to-do lists or something and just try to mark those things off. Because when you have a list, it's easier to say, hey, this weekend I want to do this. This is one thing off the list. But without those lists, I seem to just kind of wander around uh, aimlessly. The next shelf down has uh, two Apple computers. There's a complete Apple II here uh, with two disk drives. And the problem with this is that the the ribbon was so old and frail that went from the disk drives to the computer that when I moved it, it broke. And I need a replacement uh, floppy ribbon cable for an Apple II. Now I have an Apple II, I have an Apple IIe and an Apple IIc both upstairs. 
So I have working apples. This is my spare Apple II computer setup. Uh, and then I have an Apple II Bell and Hal. And if you're not familiar with that, is an Apple II that is completely black. And the Bell and Hal model was uh, sold to schools, and it had some different uh, guts inside. It had some different, uh, I think, some video, different video, maybe video card or video capabilities. And uh, I found this at a thrift store for like five bucks, and I bought it. I didn't even know what it was at the time, and I bought it. And uh, almost everything inside is missing, and, and one or two of the keys are missing. So from an actual value value, it's not worth anything. I mean, it's incomplete and it's non-functional, but from a rarity value, I've never seen another one in person. And so, uh, so I love it. And so I come out here and I look at it, I've showed it off to people and, and I enjoy owning it, but it doesn't do what it was designed to do. It was designed to be a computer and it does not, uh, compute. <laughs> and sometimes I do not compute. Uh, on top of it is a Commodore 128D, that is the lot purchase I mentioned that a lot of these discs came from and that that other uh, monitor came from. Uh, I don't need a Commodore 128D. I love my old Breadbin 64, uh, so that's that's what I use, um, but uh, I do own this. Uh, there's a, I'm guessing this is a 486 laptop. I mean, this is an old laptop, and uh, I don't know why it's here. This literally, I could drop into a dumpster. Wouldn't would not uh, break my heart at all. It is sitting on a stack though of Dungeons and Dragons hardback manuals. This is another thing that over the years I have uh, gone online to look, and I have downloaded all the old D and D manuals in PDF form. So I do have them in PDF, but I have so many memories attached in these old D and D manuals. Uh, some of these are, I guess. Um, I don't know what the editions are. I I think of the I think second edition is the uh, orange spine, and most of them are the orange spine. But I have some that are older than that, and those are uh, really special to me too. Uh, and I had I did a whole you don't know flack on uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I think it's episode two. It was when Gary Gygax uh, passed away. So if you like Dungeons and Dragons and old stories about that, uh, you can definitely go check that out. Now, on the end of those shelves, I, that's 12 feet of shelves, and then on the end, I have this, some metal garage shelves, <laughs> and it's filled with uh, shipping things for eBay sales. So I have some bubble wrap and some tape and some boxes and things like that over here. Um, here is, last weekend at a garage sale, I found an Atari 2600 in a box that came with, uh, oh, I don't know how many games, uh, like... 15 games and a whole bunch of other stuff. And so, uh, uh, and it was $15. So I bought that because gosh, what a good deal. And notice I didn't say I, I bought it because I needed it. <laughs> and that's definitely not why I bought it. I don't need it, but, uh, I just thought it was kind of cool. So here's actually, uh, what is all this? There's a manual. Here's some I found these in a box. I bought a bunch of stuff from a guy, old computer stuff. And these are old, like, magazine slash manuals for um, computers. Like, here's a, uh, what would you call this? This is a Tandy uh, catalog, Radio Shack Tandy slash catalog. So it's, uh, you know, for software. There are programs and hardware. Uh, so this stuff, you know, here's a Model 4 personal computer ad. 
Comes with 64K one disk drive, no RS-232 interface. Um, oh, if you want the interface, it's $1,299. If you don't, it's $1,099. Uh, and then here's a uh, 4P compatible for $1,299. So uh, this is another thing. I find these hard to throw away because I wonder, has this been scanned in? Has someone shared this? Here's one for a, a Tandy 1000. Comes with DiskMate. $300 off is only $9.99. Uh, so I find it hard to get rid of these because I'm just never sure if this information has been archived. And then my wife says, who cares if it's been archived? Is it your job to archive? And I say, yes, it is. Uh, coming around to the backside of shelves, and I know that this is running long, and, I, and uh, uh, <laughs> maybe there'll be a part two to random things in Rob's garage. I mean, there's boxes of old uh, PC cards. Here's... Uh, books and books of uh, burned CDs, and there's no telling what's in all this stuff over here. But I'm looking on the back side of the shelves, and I mentioned that the the shelves are deep enough uh, that you can use either side of them. Uh, here is a, a stash of probably 30 or 40 different computer books. Um, and, and a lot of times, you know, computer users, and like now we have Google, right? Uh, I need to know how to do something. And you know what? I was trying to figure out how to do something on the manual of this stupid uh, Zoom H2 microphone. I Googled Zoom H2 manual and a PDF came up. I hit search and I found the part that I needed and, and then went on. Uh, but back then, I mean, when you had computers in the 80s, you didn't have Google. You didn't have those resources. So you bought books. And so now uh, when you buy lots of computer stuff, you tend to get those books with uh, those purchases. So that's what most of these books came from. And I'm just... They're all, you know, programming type books and computer information type books. And and um, I'm sure they have good information in them. And I'd like to go through and read them. But again, someday. Now, here's a, uh, a good example of <clears throat> something that I uh, of value that maybe doesn't have value anymore. This is a, uh, I bought a very expensive Sony uh, boombox with a dongle interface that you plugged into an iPhone. Uh, and I used it. I had it in my room and I would plug it in and I would listen to music on it and do it. And it was really a cool thing. And then I got the new iPhone that has the new adapter and it doesn't work with this thing anymore. So now it's sitting out here. Um, so, you know, I, and you could, I guess I could use my old iPhone and keep it around for as a boom box, but you know, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be worth the, worth the effort, you know? So I moved it out here. And now when I look at it, I think, well, I can't throw it away. It was a hundred bucks, but I don't use it because it doesn't hook up to my phone anymore. So, uh, here's some stereo stuff. Uh, probably, I don't know, not really uh, retro tech, I would say, but a couple old DVD players. And here's a old, uh, remember these, it's a five disc changer dvd player and also plays mp3 cds this was a mainstay of the flaxter's uh, stereo rack stereo system uh but now uh the flaxter uses uh, earbuds and his phone <laughs> and so i never just put a cd on i listen to mp3s on my computer and mp3s on my phone uh, and part of me hates it Part of me misses that old experience of having the big speakers and the big things, but I don't miss uh, the big amount of floor real estate all that stuff took up. So that's uh, unfortunate. 
Um, so now I'm on the back side of these shelves, like I said, and, and this is kind of funny. I'm looking at um, the back of all those computers I mentioned before, and all of them have big, giant, pink-colored parallel ports. And I don't know that my I, I, any of my machines now, I don't know that they have parallel ports <laughs> anymore. Or, uh, but one, two, three, four, all six of them have parallel ports, and five of them are pink. I guess that was a standard we went to. Uh, and then right up here is another computer that you can't see from the other side. Uh, this is a, a 486DX4100. And this was uh, my last 486 that I owned. And I love this computer. I really enjoy this computer. It always felt fast. I think it has uh, either 16 or 32 megs of RAM. Uh, it only has three. I, I think the onboard floppy controller, that's what it was, went out. Um, but I added a PCI card that's a floppy controller. So it only has uh, three slots. And I'm looking in the back, because I remember mentally thinking all the slots are taken up, but I can see now that one of them is a modem. <laughs> so I could probably get rid of that. Uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, I love this computer. And I have, have been actually thinking recently about taking this computer upstairs uh, and getting a DOS machine back up. What I'd like to find, I don't know if they make these, I'm talking out loud here, I'll, I'll find out when I'm done recording, is if they make a PCI uh, USB card, I'm sure they do, that I could add to this, and uh, if I could get that to work in DOS, I just got that working on a DOS VM, so I bet I could uh, get that working, and then I could easily transfer things to and from, although this does have a network card in the back too, so you know why? Uh, I, I can tell you, I um, there's an airplane right outside my house. Uh, I had this thing dual booted, uh, either with Windows 98 maybe, or, or uh, maybe, surely not Windows 2000, but definitely had Windows 98, I think. Uh, and so I could boot it up and then con uh, copy programs over the network to it and then boot straight into DOS and play games. So, man, I miss old DOS games. <laughs> and I know we have DOSBox, and I know we have all this other crap, and it's just not the same to me. Uh, it's just It's just not, so... Uh, finally, over here, here's a stack of uh, arcade uh, marquees. I had a bunch more. I took a bunch of them to uh, OVGE and sold them for $10, $15. Really, it wasn't about the money, just about getting rid of, of stuff. You know, you, you build up stuff, and you're like, someday I'm going to hang all these marquees up there. And then you time goes by fast, man, and you realize it's been... Uh, <laughs> 10 years and you haven't hung them up and then you just uh, someday you say I'm, I'm never going to do that so it's time to get rid of them I do have a, an old school CRT computer monitor over here I don't know what size this is it's 17 inch maybe uh, it looks giant I mean it's <laughs> so deep and heavy looking compared to what we have now uh, and then um, what's it I guess that's it there's some other random uh, arcade parts over here uh, but that's my, uh, you know what, I, I'm going to dig through one other thing. This box over here is bugging me. Let me move this around. By the way, there are tubs all over here, video game stuff or whatever. This is a plastic tub of stuff, uh, computer cards, and I want to see what's in here. Linksys Wireless G 2.4 PCI adapter. So this is a PCI wireless card with an antenna hanging off the bat. <clears throat> this is a uh, some sort of video splitter thing. Boring. Uh, here we go. Ooh. Uh, here's a 3Com. 3C. 
905BTX, fast Ethernet, 10100. That's cool. Don't really need it. I have a ton of old video cards that do uh, S-Video out because when I was building main cabinets, I thought the best view or the best compromise was a television with S-Video running. And I thought it looked more like an arcade monitor than a uh, an LCD or anything like that. So I can't tell what kind of video card this is. This it doesn't really matter. But it does have DVI out, but it also has... Uh, Let's see what's on the back here. Uh, it says FX 5200, 128 megabyte of video. Sweet. Uh, oh, here's a really cool old thing. This says bus cool, and so it's a PCI card, uh, and there's only like two little traces on that connector, probably just for power and ground. Uh, and who's this made by? PC Power. So it's a PCI card, but... Uh, there's no electronics on it, but there are two fans. And so you could put this inside your tower uh, and plug it into a slot where it would get power. And when you turn your computer on, it would just, uh, the fans would turn on. It would cool uh, the inside of your computer. Here's a modem. This looks Broadcom, made in Taiwan. I'm guessing this is a 56K. I can't imagine. Here's a big-ass card. What is this? Oh, this is a sound card. Creative Labs. What is this? Creative Technology, and it says 1992. Uh, hmm. There's a Raycon chip. Creative. I can't tell if it's a what sound blaster it would be. Oh well. Uh, so, you know, in my head, I think, oh, someday I'm going to build, I'll, I'll take that DOS machine and build something into it, you know, but uh, I don't even know if this will work in that. Here's a GeForce 2 MX400 video card. I think I bought that so I could play some games one time. I don't remember if it helped me. Here's another sound card. What is this? I think I know what this is. This is a Creative Lab Sound Blaster AW32. Uh, and I will tell you when I got that, here's a uh, SCSI card. I don't own any SCSI devices, but if I get one, I'll use that SCSI card and hook them up. Uh, I uh, I went to Comdex in uh, 19, I think 97, which was the big, huge uh, computer electronics thing uh, in Vegas. And so I was there, and uh, Creative Labs... Uh, is from Oklahoma, and so I went to the Creative Labs booth, and I talked to the guy, and I was like, hey, I'm from Oklahoma, and we talked, and I told him about how much I love Sound Blaster, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'd had an AdLib card as a kid, and then a Sound Blaster, and so we were talking, and then they had a, uh, they were releasing the AW32, that was brand new, and so they had a drawing, and I won it, and so that's why uh, <laughs> I still have that card. Um, I don't think it would work probably in that 486, but, uh, you never know. So, well, there are many more things out here in the garage and I could spend, uh, days talking about them, but, uh, uh be honest with you, it's uh, probably 80 degrees out here now and the pits are starting to sweat and, uh, back starting to hurt and I'm out of Kool-Aid. So I think I'm going to, uh, call this an episode. I'm going to stop this recording. Hopefully it saves and sounds okay. And, um, Return back upstairs to uh, go through the conclusion of the episode.
That wraps up another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you'd like to send me feedback about this episode or any other episode of You Don't Know Flack, you can email me at robohara at robohara.com. Contact me on Twitter at Commodork. Follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash you don't know flack. That's all one word. Or leave me voicemail on the You Don't Know Flack podcast hotline at area code 405-486-YDKF. You Don't Know Flack is available from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the You Don't Know Flack RSS feed, and through throwbacknetwork.net, your home for quality retro podcasts. If you'd like to hear more podcasts from me, check out my Commodore 64-themed podcast, Sprite Castle, at spritecastle.com, and Throwback Reviews at throwbackreviews.com. Both of these shows are also available at throwbacknetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on another episode of You Don't Know Flack.